as speech pathologists, we, we do really get it. We understand the importance of communication and, and social connections. And it's important to learn that how one way of treating or, or working with a, a client isn't necessarily going to be what works for another client in a different state or from a different tribe. If we've got assessment findings that are robust, then we don't have to make any presumptions. And I strongly believe in the value and worth of what we do and the difference we make. Hello, and welcome to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature a conversation about an area or topic related to all things speech pathology. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Hi, and welcome to this week's Speak Up Conversation. I'm Leah Pace, speech pathologist and member of the Vic Branch Professional Education Committee. Today, I'm really excited to be chatting to Dr. Robin O'Halloran, Senior Lecturer and Discipline Lead of Speech Pathology at La Trobe University. Robin has recently developed a new assessment tool called the Inpatient Functional Communication Interview in collaboration with her colleagues, Linda Worrell, Deborah Toffolo and Chris Code. This tool is intended to be used by speech pathologists and other healthcare professionals to identify and support people with a communication disability so that they can more successfully communicate and participate in their healthcare whilst they are in hospital. Welcome, Robin, and thanks so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure, Leah. Great to be here. So, Robin, can you tell us what led to you and your colleagues developing and researching the inpatient functional communication interview? Yeah, so the idea for this tool, um, the inpatient functional communication interview, or IFKI, which I find easier to say, um, it started... um, quite a while ago now when I was working as a clinician in a geriatric and rehabilitation hospital in the early 90s. And I had a clinical experience that really uh, shifted how I thought about clinical practice in the hospital setting. And it was one Friday afternoon, I'd been asked to go down and see a woman who'd been admitted that day with um, stroke and query aphasia. And I did what I think a lot of us do. I I got an aphasia screening test and I went down to the ward and, you know, I I asked this woman some increasingly complex instructions. I asked her to name some objects and then answer some other questions like, you know, does May come before June? And I guess what I noticed as I was conducting that assessment that this woman started to look increasingly distressed during during the assessment, and um, and I think it was is because I was continually exposing her to things that she couldn't do, uh, you know, uh, in 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 reading and writing, understanding and speaking. Um, so it was a good screening test for me, um, but I think very distressing experience for her, and that that bothered me. And the other thing that I noticed about that uh, assessment is that I saw her nurse afterwards and I said to her, um, this woman has aphasia, she has difficulty following complex instructions. And the nurse looked irritated and she said, well, she understands everything I say. And it really struck me quite forcefully that 
what I was doing as a speech pathologist, particularly in that initial contact contact with the patient uh, who has communication difficulty, um, wasn't useful. It wasn't as useful as it could be. And I had this really nagging worry that the way I'd conducted that assessment um, might definitely caused distress and might have even caused harm. And so that really, um, really forced me to think critically about what our role should be as speech pathologists in the acute hospital setting, particularly in relation to that first contact. Um, and it got me thinking about, you know, well, what do patients need to communicate about when they're in hospital? And what do healthcare providers need to be able to communicate um, about with patients in order for patients to get the best health care they can. That's that's really what, what started it. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Often um, some of these research projects are born out of our own frustrations with um, the tools or what's available to us at the time. Yeah. And really, you know, the, how you assess someone really um, influences what what you then start to um, focus on in intervention. So I wanted to shift what we assess so it would shift what we focus on in intervention. Yeah, yeah sure. Robin, you've, you've obviously given a nice example of a patient with aphasia who um, you felt could benefit from a different type of assessment tool. Um, with the IFKI, what kind of patients would you be wanting to use this tool with and in what settings? Yeah, so it's it's definitely, well, the IFKI is the first tool we developed, but we've now got a suite of four tools that we've um, uh, included in the this recent publication. And it's, it's obviously designed just for the hospital setting, so either acute or inpatient rehab hospital settings. And because we're interested in thinking about how to support a patient communicate their healthcare needs in hospital, it's really for any patient who needs support to communicate their needs in hospital. So even though it was started um, from an experience with a woman with aphasia, anyone with any kind of communication difficulty um, could uh, benefit from having an interview with a speech pathologist about their healthcare. So it's really pretty broad. Um, Very versatile in, in the way it can be used then. Robin, you mentioned that the resource is comprised of four different tools within it. Um, can you tell us a bit about what each tool involves and how it can be, be implemented? Um, and I'm interested to know, does the clinician using it have to use all four tools or are they able to pick and choose a bit of each? Yeah, they're definitely able to pick and choose a bit of each. So, um, And some of the tools are for speech pathologists, but some of the tools are for other healthcare providers. So um, the first tool in this suite of four is a screening tool. So it's the IFKI-SQ, which stands for Screening Questionnaire, and that's been designed for nurses. So this tool is really so that um, there's a way of picking up and identifying those patients who are going to need support while they're in hospital. And uh, we thought nurses would be best placed to do this. Uh, so, uh, the point, so a nurse who's cared for a patient for a whole shift, which is about eight hours, um, 
then answers questions on the screening questionnaire and that takes about one to two minutes and they answer the questions based on their experience caring for and communicating with the patient over that shift and uh, then the speech pathologist reviews those answers um, on the questionnaire and then uh, makes a decision on whether the patient does have communication difficulty and will need support or doesn't have communication difficulty. So that screening tool is really um, really a, a basic uh, yes, does have difficulty, or no, doesn't. That's all that screening tool is designed to do. Sure. I can imagine a benefit of that is that, uh, you know, often as speech pathologists we walk in and we might see a patient for five minutes, ten minutes at that initial contact, whereas if it's a nurse conducting the screener, they've had a lot more time across an eight-hour shift, as you say, to get a sense for that person's communication abilities. Yeah, and and we really developed the screening tool because um, the feedback we got from speech pathologists about doing the longer interview is um, this is a really, um, I don't have time to invest so much resource on someone who's actually not having any trouble. So this is a way of identifying those patients who really need the support of a speech pathologist and uh, those patients who are, who are communicating um, fine without additional yeah. support. Yeah, yeah sure. Mm. So that's the first tool. So the second tool is is really for, it's designed for speech pathologists and it's for those patients who the nurse has identified as having difficulty and will need support to communicate in hospital. And so this is uh, the, the IFKI and the, the aim of doing this tool, well, there's a couple of um, reasons why the speech pathologist would do an IFKI, which is this bedside um, interview with the patient. And the, the main reason is to find out whether the patient can communicate about their current healthcare needs in hospital. And if, there's, if the speech pathologist and the patient have any difficulty communicating, then the speech pathologist has got an opportunity to try out different strategies and supports to see if anything helps uh, create more successful communication. So, for example, one of the questions on the interview is, can you tell me what happened to bring you into hospital? And what the speech pathologist is looking for is, can the patient tell them at least three events or symptoms that led to their admission? And if the patient can't communicate that, then the, the speech pathologist might um, like repeat the question, rephrase it, perhaps give a forced choice question instead, and start exploring, is there anything I can do here to help the patient respond successfully? So you're really looking at that stage of their support strategies that that you as a clinician or other healthcare professionals can use to support the patient. Absolutely. And I think that's a really, um, that's a critical job that the speech pathologist could do more in the hospital is do that work of finding out what strategies work and what strategies don't work um, because they've got the skills and expertise to do that and they can pass that information on to other healthcare providers. Yeah, so, and I think the other thing that happens as you're doing that, what you're also doing is you're giving the patient 
an accessible conversation about their healthcare. Because you're rephrasing, you know, things about what happened to bring them into hospital or about their medical diagnosis. And you're really, um, you're also giving them an opportunity to experience that with communication supports, they can communicate more successfully. And I think that's a really important experience for patients to have, especially when they've been admitted into hospital with the sudden onset of a new communication disorder that you know that that initial contact you're you're establishing a relationship with the patient but you're also giving them some hope at the, at the very beginning that there are ways that we can support you to communicate m- more successfully mm-hmm. and a, probably a nice way of setting up quite a positive relationship with that patient from early on and helping them to stay engaged in their healthcare experience rather than withdrawing because they've had a negative or confronting experience. Absolutely. And a lot of the um, qualitative literature um, about on patients' experiences in hospital, particularly with aphasia, is that it's often a distressing experience. Um, and so what we're trying to do by shifting the assessment this way is by from the very beginning their first experience is that there are people here who are skilled and able to support you and you can communicate better than you think not worse than you think which is often the message we unintentionally I think send to patients so I think the the third tool is really that came off the back of that uh, that bedside interview is because what we realised is that after you've had a 25, 30-minute conversation with a patient and you've explored different strategies and found out what works and what doesn't, you've actually, um, along the way, gathered some really interesting information about any possible underlying impairments that the patient might have. So the third tool is a set of rating scales and they're um, really just for the speech pathologist to use um, after the interview just as a reflection tool to say, was there any signs uh, or indications during that interview of a dysarthria, a speech impairment? Was there any indication during that interview of uh, an aphasia? Uh, and Or was there any indication during that interview of a cognitive communication impairment? So we've developed some rating scales to just help the speech pathologist uh, think through whether there was a speech language or cognitive communication impairment. Right, right. And that's something that's always completed by the speech pathologist, not by another healthcare professional? Yes, just by the speech pathologist because you, you draw on your experience of conducting the interview to be able to fill those rating scales out. Yeah. So those three tools um, that we've talked about so far are really focused on uh, supporting, identifying and supporting the individual patient in hospital. But the fourth tool um, shifts its focus completely because that's about looking at the hospital environment um, because we know there are so many barriers in the hospital environment that make it difficult for patients with communication disability and their healthcare providers to communicate successfully. So we wanted to sort of shift the focus. um, And uh, so this is a series of um, environmental audit tools 
to help clinicians, speech pathologists and other healthcare providers start to critically assess the environment they're working in and, you know, sort of identify things like, well, what, what's the level of background noise in this ward? How adequate's the lighting? How much um, education and training do the nurses get to be able to make use of the strategies I'm about to give them? You know, uh, do they roster nurses on yeah, in, a, in a thoughtful way to match nurses who've got skills in communication partner training to look after the patients who need those supports, you know. Um, so that's a that's the fourth tool, which is, um, as I said, something that the speech pathologist could do, but best done, I think, as a multidisciplinary team. Yeah, with clinicians interacting with the patient at different times of day and maybe in different contexts within a hospital, yeah. Okay, I can really see that the um, resource is drawing on those components of the ICF particularly with that environmental consideration, um, making sure that we're looking holistically at the whole whole picture. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the ICF, that theoretical framework, uh, drove my thinking and, and the team's thinking um, around how to develop these tools. So you're absolutely right. The, the, the IFKI screening questionnaire and the IFKI itself is all focused on participation. It's can the patient participate in their healthcare, and the uh, impairment rating scales is about the underlying impairment that might be influencing that. But of course, the environmental audit tool is all about the environmental component. Yeah, yeah, and and all of those components are equally as important in someone's care. Yeah, and you know, especially when a patient's only going to be in hospital sometimes for three or four days. There's very little opportunity to to intervene with the impairment, um, but there's so much we could do with modifying the environment, and that would benefit all patients who are admitted into hospital, and it would benefit all healthcare providers who have to communicate with and care for patients with communication disability in that environment. And potentially even patients without a communication disability. A lot of these um, environmental factors that could be tweaked and changed could certainly benefit all patients, I can imagine. Absolutely, yeah. You just uh, you make the um, environment much more capable for everyone. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we've touched on some of the benefits of the tool already, Robin, but what do you see as the main benefits of this resource, say, compared to existing screeners or existing rating scales that are already out there? Yeah, I think the current bedside screening assessments that um, we've got access to in for hospitals, uh, I think they're predominantly um, focused on helping speech pathologists diagnose an, an impairment. You know, does this person have aphasia? Does this person have dysarthria? Where I think this suite of tools um, uh, shifts, uh, flips that completely and it's it, the priority is not about diagnosis. Um, the priority is about participation. And I think that's what um, the IFKI uh does. It helps shift our focus to um, thinking, well, for me personally, what's most important right now is that you are given as much support as you need uh, to communicate and participate in your health care so you get the best health care possible. 
Part of that is getting speech pathology because that's part of your healthcare, but that's my second concern. <laughs> the priority is about um, supporting you to participate. And um, I think that's where um, this, this suite of tools is, is different. Yeah. And, you know, as we sort of touched on earlier, if that patient has a bad experience and they disengage, they're maybe not likely to participate in further impairment-based assessment, uh, you know, maybe when they reach the rehab hospital. Um, so it's setting up a positive experience for them early on and makes them more likely to, to be active in their rehab down the track. That's, that's right. And I think, um, you know, there, there is research coming out around the, the how important it is in establishing a relationship with a patient in order for therapy to be uh, effective. Um, And there is also really um, a a lot of literature, especially around uh, on the experiences of people who live with lifelong disability, about um, their their felt aversion to being admitted into hospital because it's a very fearful place for them. And I think a lot of that's got to do with the fact that they uh, are, are very worried that they won't be able to communicate and um, be supported to participate in their healthcare in hospital. So uh, we're trying to shift that, trying to change the environment so that a lot of people, you know, who have a stroke and uh, particularly, um, you know, with aphasia, um, they may improve, but many of them live with a chronic communication disability. So you're also trying to send the message that this hospital is a place where you can always get healthcare regardless of whether this communication disability is is with you the long term or not. Yeah, right. So if they're interacting with the healthcare system again in the future, they've got that knowledge um, and positive experience to come back to. And and confidence that um, they will be able to get help and healthcare there. Yeah, yeah. Really um, a very valuable tool, it sounds like. Um, Robin, if clinicians are interested in using the tool themselves, where are they able to go to get a hold of this tool? Do they need any training to be able to use it? Yeah, so it's available through ProEd in Australia, but also uh, directly through Plural Publishing website. Um, And there's no specific training, but uh, they definitely need practice conducting the bedside interview um, because it sounds easy and it's actually pretty hard to have a conversation with a patient who's got a communication difficulty. Um, so uh, to help clinicians um, develop those skills, we've uh, got a companion website um, on, on the Plural Publishing website um, that's got three videos in it. And um, also in Chapter 7 of the uh, book, we work through three case studies and the videos match those case studies. So you can see how uh, the... Uh. The assessment um, was conducted through the video and then how it looks on the um, assessment form and the recommendations that were made. Nice. Um, Certainly helpful to have that companion resource. I know a lot of assessment tools don't come with that kind of extra support. Um, And for a new tool that's maybe a little bit different to one that clinicians are used to using with patients, it's nice to have that extra resource to call on. Yeah, and I think some of the feedback I've, I've had from clinicians who've tried the IFKI for the first time is they've said it's felt a bit 
awkward. And and I guess what I've said to clinicians is that's okay. Having a conversation with someone with a communication disability can be awkward. Yeah. And and part of your job and as a speech pathologist is to find out how um, what strategies work to make that less awkward because yeah. that's exactly the experience that doctors and nurses are going to have. So so we really need to be um, you know um, experiencing that and and being comfortable with that um, so that we can help other people in the healthcare team have those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, it it does sound like a fantastic tool, Robin. Um, I love the functional focus of it. It's it is different to tools that I've used myself in in my own clinical work, and I'm looking forward to giving it a try in, in my own practice. Um, so thank you again to you and your colleagues for the wonderful work that you're doing um, and good luck for future work that you do. Thanks very much, Leah. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Robin. So thank you everyone for listening and please be sure to tune in again to another Speak Up conversation next week. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.